0: Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast, presented by Trek. I am Scott Allen, and I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about everything that is financial in the NBA. Keith, welcome back. We've uh, we've been busy on Spotrac with NBA updates. Uh, we've launched future draft picks, which is a visual manner which we talked about a couple podcasts ago. So now you can go and take a look at all the future picks up through 2029 in a visual graph manner where we show where a team would land if it's, you know, top four protected and then the back end would be to the, another team. Uh, we've got first round and second round draft picks. And in addition to that, we've launched the undrafted signings under each team. And there's a massive master link to that as well. Uh, but we've, increased our draft coverage from that aspect um anything you want to
1: add i i think it's all really good stuff as as i put it we're you know continuing to further endeavor that if you are interested in what does a team have available to them whether that be cap space or what does their financial picture look like or yeah, well what is it that they can do to help build their roster we're gonna have it for you and we're we're you know it's all a work in progress and we're we're putting it together but i'm super excited because i think the um, unsigned draft picks or the draft rates retain is really good i don't there's places you can find that information but i think the way uh, you you built it out is super clean and easy to follow it's also what's call it what it is it's pretty humorous that some of these guys are in their mid to late 50s and teams are still you know under their draft rights for whatever reason uh that, that they've never renounced those rights so i think uh they think that's um you know always good for a laugh if in for some of these guys if you want to go down uh you know down memory lane and remember and then i think the future draft picks what we've done there is great I, i'm always gonna shout out um you know, our co- kind of partners in the space in this kind of information that, that, you know, have tracked this forever, Real GM, because they're the original and they've got the, you know, the draft pick tracker, but it's all words. So what happens there is if you're the kind of person who reads, through two or three of those and then you're like well now i need to go take some aspirin because i have a migraine um we're just presenting it in a very you know uh, easy we think to follow uh information and one of the things i've been learning a lot more about and kind of going dipping back into my education background which i know you have as well is the idea of visual learners versus um you know p- people who like to read versus all that stuff so if they think are uh, you know it, the uh, way you built this to present this visually is really, really cool. We're getting great feedback on it already. So super excited about that. We've uh, you know, we, we are already moving on to, to the off season. So we've already flipped the the page to next year for the team. So it's, it's, it's a fun time. You know, I I'm, I'm super excited that we've kind of got everything here that, that we're getting into and looking through all of it right now and uh, starting to build it all up.
0: Yeah, comical is uh, the word for those undrafted signings. As I was updating them, <laughs> I'm I'm I was laughing out loud at some of the you know when these guys were drafted or birthdays or I was like holy cow what the heck is going on here yep <laughs> so it, it it's funny like you said how why my team would just keep the guy keep those guys when they're never even going to play anyways it's just maybe maybe it's comical internally too to them just to say oh we've got this guy from 1993
1: <laughs> and it um, used to be super advantageous to the teams to have all these old draft rights because what they wanted to do um back probably i think the nba changed this about probably five years or so ago but it used to be you could trade the draft rights to anybody so even one of these guys like i I just happen to be on the oklahoma city page and they have um uh let's see they, they have uh Abdul Shamsin Dean who played at Providence. So shout out if anybody remembers him because he was drafted in 1990. He's 54 years old, probably hasn't played any form of competitive basketball in a long time would be my guess. Uh, If anybody knows if he has, you know, shout us out and let us know um, because that'd be cool to find out. But the reason you would hang on to it is you could just throw those as the something in a trade In, in every NBA trade. Each side needs to send something. Um, Eric Pincus coined the term nothing something, and that was like a top 55 pick. Draft rights to a player would never come over. Those kind of things. Well, about five years ago, the NBA was like, all right, this is getting a little absurd that we're trading draft rights to guys who are in their late 40s and early 50s. So what they did was they said, no more of that, that's now killed. You can't do that anymore. So now what you have to do is you have to trade the um, draft rights to a player who has a reasonable chance of coming to the NBA. And there's there's probably, I'd say, you know somewhere 10, 15 of these draft rights guys that are hanging in there around various teams that would be considered to have a reasonable chance of coming to the nba and they give a little bit of leeway with that there might be you know some guys in their you know mid to late 30s that they're like maybe probably not but we'll we'll give you a little bit of the leeway but yeah it's it it certainly is you know funny to look at, at some of these guys and there's a handful of guys that i know some people may look at and be like hey i remember that guy from you know this ncaa tournament run back in 2004 or whatever it is which is just kind of fun as well
0: yeah, and the reason we've spent as much time as we have in the last couple of weeks on getting these future picks updated and these undrafted signings onto the rosters, like you said, to well-round the roster-building process, but we're also two months out from the draft, and yeah. uh, I know you have a bunch of draft nuggets that you want to you know tee up here, so... Um, what do you have for us
1: yeah so what what we're we're full-on in draft season now in the nba no no we're right in the middle of the first round of the playoffs and that's the best time of the year but for the teams in their front offices it's it's draft season is full-on cranking here so what's happened here um with the draft just kind of the, the most recent important date was this past sunday april 23rd that was the early entry deadline so anybody who wanted to enter the draft early, whether that be a uh, European player that's uh, under the age of 22, uh, this this calendar year, um, anybody who's 22 and over in Europe is automatically draft eligible. Um, or I shouldn't just say Europe, but overseas, not uh, non-US non, you know, uh, US college player. Um, but anybody who's under had to... Um, Declares an early entry candidate, obviously, the big one that everybody's waiting on, and it did happen, was Victor Wembenyama, he declared, and is eligible. Then, you had the players who are um, college players here in the U.S. had, in the same deadline as everybody else, to declare for the uh, nba draft and my guess is we're, we still don't have the final list because it usually takes a few days after before the nba sends that out but my guess is if, if everything goes the way it has gone we're probably going to have in the range of 200 to 300 total players that declared and some of those guys they're they not going to be drafted they declare because they want to go through the draft process and, and all those sorts of things um Then our next big kind of dates that that are coming up are we've got the um, NBA Draft Combine. That opens on Monday, May 15th, so that's only a few weeks out here. The Draft Lottery happens while the Combine is going on, and that'll be on Tuesday the 16th. Um, so that'll determine, you know, everything that we've been waiting on, we'll get the end of uh, where all the picks are going and who's going to have them and all that stuff. So that'll all happen here um, in about three weeks or so. Then you get into after the combines wrap up, you get into a couple more uh, dates that are of importance. So May 31st, Wednesday, May 31st is the early entry withdrawal deadline. Early entry withdrawal deadline. I'm getting a little tongue-tied there. But that is the deadline for college players who want to return to school. They have to withdraw from the draft by then. Anybody withdraws after that, they won't be able to play at an NCAA school. So every once in a while you'll see a guy not withdraw, and then maybe they – they Or not withdraw by the time, but then they withdraw from the draft, but they're going to pursue overseas opportunities or something like that. But for the most part, you'll start to get a lot more clarity on which college players are staying in the draft and which ones aren't. And then um, 10 days out from the actual NBA draft itself on Monday the 12th is the final um withdrawal deadline that's for everybody else so that's mostly the overseas players but a handful of other guys that'll be monday the 12th um those guys all have to opt out and then the draft itself is on uh thursday the 22nd um that's when the actual draft itself will be so so we're we're full on into drafts and we're only two less than two months out from the draft and a lot of things to to be kind of coming into play here over the next two months with the nba draft.
0: Real quick, before we jump into these team offseason previews, outside of Scoot and Victor, what are other names that we should be listening for?
1: Yeah, Brendan Miller, um, who played at Alabama, is getting a lot of buzz. A lot of people are starting to think he may may, uh, actually break in at two. Victor Wombanyama is going number one overall. Uh, no matter what happens here basically in the next two months that that is you know a done deal there was all these you know kind of it's part of the draft buzz process is like could scoot Henderson challenge him for the top overall pick what about Brandon Miller well none of that's happened and it's not gonna happen so Miller though potentially in the mix to be picked at three um he he's a really uh interesting uh player um a lot of teams really kind of like him and that's the the idea of you know when Benyama is your it, he's your big man in the draft i i don't want to call him by any means classic because he's not he's you know uh, anything but he's kind of something like we've never seen before he's like a taller kevin durant and a better uh skilled uh Gianna, you know young Giannis when he first came into the league is you know Giannis has rounded out his skill package quite a bit but that's where Wembenyama is now then you've got uh um Miller kinda or sorry, scoot Henderson, rather he's the more classic point guard um that you've you know kind of looked for over the years of can do a lot of things with the ball in his hands, but as teams want to load up on wings, that's part of why Miller is jumping up he's about six foot eight six foot nine, kind of your uh your you know traditional small forward sized guy that could probably play small ball four could probably play a really big two, um so we'll see what that happens, and then the other uh three guys. They're getting kind of that top five ish buzz. Are Amon and Oscar Thompson uh, of Overtime Elite? Uh, they're, they're coming into the draft this year. They've been playing. I'm um, in that private academy uh, setting over there with the Overtime Elite. Um, they're they're the two, two, two most high profile guys that are coming out of that. Two two twins um, that are coming in there, and then Jerayce Walker of Houston is another guy who really used his year at Houston. And the Cougars pretty good uh, run this season. They, they were the number one uh, ranked team for a lot of the year. Uh, he's really lifted his draft stock. He's another guy again, another forward with size. The Thompson Twins are. They're a little weird. It's a little hard to project them because they're they both have wing size, but they both spend a lot of time on ball. So there was some thought of they might be really big point guards. I tend to think they'll they'll slot in as two threes who can be secondary playmakers. Um, but they're they're going to be a lot of fun. And then yeah, Jaree Walker is a guy I know a lot of teams are super high on. So top six is kind of rounding into form and some uh, you know order. but we'll see what it looks like. You know, but one Binyama is going to be first off the board, and then after that there there's a little bit of intrigue for sure
0: yeah we'll dive into this draft once the lottery is set a little bit more and and go with that um is this a deep draft i'll just ask that last question with this is it deep or
1: not um it's got the good top end talent and then i think think the belief is there'll be Solid contributors, uh, more like rotation-ish guys, um, probably through the first round, maybe into the early part of the second round. And then there's a lot of developmental prospects in this draft where it's going to be some of these guys may get drafted and they may need to log considerable G League time. And um, you know, spend a lot of time kind of just building themselves up, building their game up, and, and the like um, there because they're they're interesting players. Um, but I think a handful of these guys are guys that teams are looking at and saying, all right, they're they're very interesting, but they they have X, Y, and Z hole in their game that they're going to need need development time. But every year, it's kind of funny. I, I think most drafts end up being a little bit more the same where it does feel like, all right, well, you know, there's this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And then, then it drops off here. And, and the, as the old saying goes, and this is you know, with the NFL draft looming too, there's always, you know, every team says, well, you know, the draft fell off at, you know, pick whatever. So it's, it's always the pick right after they pick right. Or the pick right before they picked, if nobody likes the guy they, they selected. So that's kind of, you know, going to be true with this NBA draft too, where everybody will say, you know, we, we really, you know, we had this guy in our top six and it's, like, oh, that's interesting because you had the six pick. So I would hope he was in your top six if that's where you went to. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, one of those things where I think it's a good draft. I don't think it's one that anybody's hyping up as, oh, my God, this is going to be league changing. There's, you know, 25 guys coming in that are going to be starters, you know, very soon. I think it's more probably – you've got seven or eight that'll uh be in the mix to start but then probably another 15 20 that'll be pretty good uh, rotation guys day one and then a whole bunch of development from there.
0: That's yeah, not a bad thing for development. Um you know, as long as they go to the right team as we've talked about before. They yep. you got to go to the right team to develop them and and that's a great transition into the three teams that we're going to be talking about for off seasons here. We've got the Portland Trail Blazers, Washington Wizards, and the Indiana Pacers today. Uh, you know, the Portland Trail Blazers and the Washington Wizards. Th- I feel like they're, to a certain extent, very similar. Where we've got Lillard with the Blazers and Beal with the Wizards, and there, there's always conversation. It's going to hit again of do you trade them or not trade them. Um, we're we're going to start with portland trailblazers and i know in your piece it was uh to dame or not to dame or somewhere something (laughs) of that nature for uh their offseason approach so as a whole with dame what direction is the portland trailblazers going to have to take this offseason
1: yeah it's it's really kind of fun with them that they could go a lot of different ways here they could say you know what we're going young, we're going with the kids and it's time to move Damian Lillard. It feels like every other year I've been like, that's not going to happen They're They're going to keep him. And none of that is going to be the way this plays out. And then it's starting to feel like it's more in play than it ever has been in previous years. So I think what we're going to see here is Damian Lillard. He didn't give the Blazers a true ultimatum of we, you must do this. Um, But he basically said, Hey, are we gonna go young, or are we gonna get after it? And to me, when that's your comment, that's either get get these kids out of here, trade the draft pick, let's move on, let's get you know veterans on this roster. I was great last year. Let's try to really you know push this thing and try to win you know games and try to be competitive. I think if you're Portland, though, what well, you have to look at now with Damian Lillard is this is a guy who is at the start of next season he'll be 33 yeah you've got him locked up for you know four more years under contract, and including an extension that hasn't even started yet that'll start in the twenty twenty five twenty six season for fifty eight point five and sixty three point two million. So I think if you're Portland, what you're kind of looking at with him is all right, do we really feel like adding a whole bunch of guys and sacrificing our future? Essentially and any you know cap flexibility we have going forward is the right way to go to put a ton of talent um around him. And then your question you have to ask is how much talent can we even get to? Like can we get to you know four or five guys that are needed on this roster to lift this team? And that's why I think the whole idea of Damian Lillard potentially being traded is a little bit more in play because I think what you have now is I think every Portland fan is going to understand if they trade Damian Lillard. Hey, we, we did our best. We, we made our best run with this guy. It was, you know, a decade worth of basketball here of pretty good basketball and it didn't work and no hard feelings. If we move on and we go, he doesn't have to actually demand a trade. We can just kind of, you know, let it be what it is and, and move on. So I'm really fascinated to see which direction they take.
0: Yeah. This team has been a weird team for a couple of years where they they've sort of throwing darts at a wall and hope they stick with the trade they really haven't hit on their draft for the most part it just seems, seems like this is a revolving team and the uh, revolving door for players on this team and Lillard is going to be the next one to have to move you know it's they're at that point where you either have to rip off the band-aid or there is no other option <laughs> because yeah. it just feels like they're we have these high expectations that Lillard is going to help them get there. And he's the ultimate loyalist with Portland saying, I want to be here the long term. However, it's almost like it's getting to a point where he's hindering the growth of this roster and they just need to rip it off and go a different direction.
1: Yeah, that's definitely you. Know, one one way you can go, and it's kind of funny because I tend to lean a little bit towards. If you're just stuck in the middle, yeah, let's let's go a different way, right? Tra- trade him for a massive return of young talent and draft picks, and let's you know really rebuild this thing around Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, and then whatever kids come out of that asset. All that you get. On the flip side, I can also see the idea of if we can add a couple players. Why not us in the West? Like, we we can – the Kings are making a run. The, you know, Nuggets are good, but I don't think anybody fears them. There's no Dynasty Warriors hanging over things anymore of, like, oh, no, like, nobody could ever possibly beat them, so what's the point? Like, I think there is a sense of, hey, let's – you know, why not us? Like, we could reset. We could flip this. We could be, you know, next year's Kings. Or we could be, you know, the team, uh, you know, like the Suns who kind of rebuilt very, very quickly – um, you know, and they built into being a finals contender over the last few years. So I, I think there's the sense of we could do that. You're just going to be very careful in the way you do that. Otherwise, if you fall short, now you're really stuck in the middle with a whole bunch of nothing that you could really do for a couple of years. And then that's when you're going to be forced into making probably trades that aren't quite as advantageous to you as they could be otherwise.
0: You know, when he signed that extension, I, I if I remember correctly in my mind, I was like, he's not gonna be able to be traded with these salaries going higher and higher. But now with this new CBA and the mid-levels getting a bump, the second uh, second round exceptions so that a high quality vet can sign with those minimum or that mid-level now and some of these other aspects to the CBA. I think it is potentially more now that he could be traded even with these higher salaries. However, with that being said. I think you have to. If you're going to do the trade, you need to do it this year because at 45 six, it looks a lot easier than if you wait to 48, north of 48 and a half, and 58 and a half. So, um, if the year is to move Lillard, I think you have to do it now. Uh, That haul is going to be spectacular. I, I mean, we've seen it in the past here. You know, the Rudy Gobert, which not looking so great now, but the haul that was there. Mm -hmm. So whatever team decides to go after Lillard, you know, you're going to have to have those assets for sure to, to lock that
1: up. Uh, And if I can real quick too, he, I know he played in 58 games this year. He had some legitimate injury issues early in the season. And I'm not going to say he wasn't dealing with some stuff last year because he clearly was. But I think when you get into to this with him the thing is with Lillard it was they shot him down because it was like we're just done we're, we're not trying to win anymore we're going in a different direction and he probably could have kept playing but as you look at it I, I know I just said it'll be 33 it started next year and I just went through he did deal with some injuries but this is what he put up 32.2 points per game easily a career high 4.8 rebounds pretty good for a small guard 7.3 assists Then his shooting percentages were 46% from the field, 37% from three on 11 attempts per game, and 91% from the free throw line on 9.6 free throw attempts per game. So this is a guy who is still dominating at a high level. He just didn't have enough help around him. He was was out there doing it every night. And, And I know you know, Scott, but just so everybody knows, I look at every single box score every day. And that's part part of my process in the morning from the night forward. I comb through and I try to pick out "Oh, huh, what happened here? And then I'll go and watch the game and try to see if I can pick up on whatever it is. But in this case with Damian Lillard, he was so incredibly good last season that a team wouldn't hesitate at all to say, all right, you know what, you need three first round picks and a young player. I think we might see some teams hesitate a little on the all right, here's four first-rounders and swap rights and all that just because of the way the Gobert thing went. But I do think there's a chance where we, we may see you know, a team say, all right, you know what, let's go. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's go get uh, you know, Damian Lillard to make it happen.
0: So with that being said, what areas of focus do the Portland Trailblazers need to to hone in on, whether it's in the draft or from a free agent standpoint?
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna focus this on the if they keep Damian Lillard, because if they don't, the answers to those questions are very easy. It's just get young talent, right? It's, it doesn't it almost doesn't matter what position they play. Just bring kids in that that you can put on the floor and figure it out with. So if they keep Damian Lillard, they need to shore up their front court, uh Quite a bit. They, Yusuf Nurkic is still productive, still a solid player, but he's battled injury issues now uh, for several years running. Drew Eubanks is a nice backup player, but you got to get somebody else. Ideally, I'd like to see them get a four or five that could maybe play some minutes with Nurkic and play uh, behind him. You got to make a decision on Jeremy Grant that so you're going to resign him and bring him back. He had a kind of return to form um from his Denver days, where he was much more efficient. But that's because he wasn't carrying the offense and doing everything himself like he did in Detroit. But if you're looking at and saying, All right, Jeremy Grant, if he's our third best player, we're probably we're probably okay. If he's our fourth or fifth best player, we're probably really good. So that's where you want to go, but it's gonna come with how much do we pay him? And then after that, it's just filling out your depth. Get, get a real backup point guard in there. They, they kind of, you know, Lillard's going to play and play a lot. He's you're going to fill 30-plus minutes a night. But then you're going to get into, you know, what they do now is kind of they, they don't give it to Anthony Simons and let him kind of run the show a little bit when Lillard's not in the game or they'll say, all right, Jeremy Grant, here's the ball for the next five minutes. You, it's your show to run. So just fill out your depth, round it up, but really focus on that front court first.
0: The only extension that the trailblazers can even offer right now is to Jeremy grant through June 30th. That's not likely to happen. I assume.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It's one of those ones where I, one day I feel like, all right, it could make sense for grant to lock in on an extension. If anybody wants, I, this, all these numbers are still perfectly valid. You can go check them out. I'm um, over on spot track. I went in depth on Jeremy grant as part of our next contract series, but for him, it's one of those ones where I could see an extension maybe locking in. And I think what we're gonna see is this is where the those kind of backroom conversations between Jeremy Grant's agent, and other teams are gonna be really important because one of the cap space teams says, Hey, you know what, we're willing to go thirty-five million plus for you. Then I think if you're Jeremy Grant, you're like, All right, I gotta I gotta take a look at that. Because again, we talk about age, he just turned twenty-nine. Uh, You know, so he'll turn 30 in next season. So he's starting to get up there a little bit. Should still be fine through his next contract, I would assume. But I think what we're really looking at with Jeremy Grant is, all right, if somebody else is, is saying, hey, we're willing to go, 30 you know at least 30 but maybe 35 and go that direction for you then that may be one where he has to look at taking that or his other option is hey let's let's hold off and try to get something done here in Portland where I played pretty well I have a pretty good role on this team and and again not to beat a dead horse but a lot of that will be tied up in the What direction are we going as the trailblazers? Are we keeping Damian Lillard? Because then keeping Jeremy Grant makes a lot more sense. If we're not, then you probably just let Jeremy Grant walk and figure it out from there or try to work out some form of sign and trade or something like that.
0: So what about their other free agents that they have that they could resign or let walk? Uh, Reddish, Tybalt, Winslow. What are your thoughts on either of those three?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Matisse Thibault is the guy I'm most interested in there, just because of the defensive ability. And he did shoot it better with the Trailblazer. so maybe I, you know, maybe he's starting to figure it out. Well, we'll see. I tend to think probably not. There's probably just small sample size noise there, but uh, his defensive ability is absolute. You know, he's he he could be a guy who, if he was able to play 32 to 35 minutes a night, he could be somebody who could be in the defensive player of the year conversation because he's that good on that end of the floor problem is you can't play him that much because he can't shoot at all and he's never really developed any kind of his game with the ball in his hands or anything like that so so that's a little bit of the challenge there i'm not a cam reddish guy i feel like cam reddish is the kind of guy who everybody keeps giving chances to because he's six foot eight and uh, pretty athletic and can you know run the floor and do all these kind of things. And maybe he's a late bloomer. He's going to be 24 at the start of next season. So maybe there's still, you know, something to come there with him. I'm just, it's just, it's never been put together. And he's been giving a, given a ton of chances. So, so I'm just not a big you know fan of his justice. Winslow move on. It's just, it's never going to happen now. It's, you know, we're, we're going into the, his next year will be year nine. He's never been healthy. Uh, let somebody else be the team to try to make, their reclamation project and then of their other free agents drew eubanks i think is super interesting because he's a pretty good player that i don't i think flies completely under the radar because of you know where he plays and what he is but great finisher around the rim Pretty good rim protector, decent rebounder. He's somebody that, you know, if you can get get signed to, you know, another deal, maybe in a slight bump over the minimum, which is what he's made the last couple of seasons, that'd be good work, especially knowing Nurkic is probably only going to give you, you know, 60 games on the extreme high end. You've got to have a good backup in place behind him.
0: Is there – Let's let's for all intents and purposes say Lillard's on the roster. He's not traded in the offseason. So, which free agent in the league do you think would fit well that Portland should target?
1: Yeah, it's the challenge with them is they they just don't they, it's they, they just they're stuck on the the mid level exception. And pending what happens with Jeremy Grant, it might even be the taxpayer mid level. So you're talking you know a five million dollar spending uh you know capital for them. So you know, maybe if you could pick off a guy like a Trey Lyles from Sacramento, I think could be a good fit for them. He's somebody that you could uh, – you'll pop in there, play the 4-5 or five, uh, for you. I think you'd fit nicely uh, within that group. Um, George Niang of the 76ers is another player who I think is kind of interesting uh, for them potentially. If they wanted to go kind of, hey, let's see if we can rehab him and get his, his value built back up, you could go with like T.J. Warren. Um, from, from Phoenix, because he'll be coming back available. But I think any of the guys who are real difference makers, I just don't think Portland will have the spending power to get involved with them. And then you start to get into, it uh, would have to be a sign-and-trade and all these things. And then the only other players I would say, you know, I, and I'm not going to list them all, but get one of the veteran backup point guards in there just so you have, have a little something in case Damian Lillard goes down or something like that that's an actual point guard at the position. And that's probably something you can do on a minute deal
0: anything else we need to know with portland trailblazers going in i don't this think
1: offseason? so think we we hit it
0: okay all right on to the washington wizards uh again like i teed up when we started i feel like this roster is in a similar situation where beal is always being talked about being in trade rumors he's a, the, the ultimate loyalist to washington just like lillard with the portland trailblazers There's pieces on this roster that you scratch your head with and then other pieces that, you know, with the trade for Kuzma seem like to fit really well. Um, But overall with the Washington Wizards, what direction should they be going in right now?
1: This is really hard because I, and I'm going to say this, knowing this is probably not the direction they're going in, but I would tear this thing down. I, it's just, Hey, I, I think they're going to re-sign Chris Haps Porzingis. I think they're going to make an effort to re-sign Kyle Kuzma. I think they're going to keep Bradley Beal, and it's just going to be more of the same. And It feels like the Wizards are destined forever to be somewhere between 7 and 12 in the conference. Never really bad enough to get a great pick, but never really true contenders or anything like that. So I, I, this one is really, really hard, but I, I would go completely in the other way. I would work with Bradley Beal, because here's the thing with Bradley Beal. Sounds great to say, blow it up and trade Bradley Beal. Well, Bradley Beal has the only true negotiated no trade clause in the NBA. So doesn't matter where you want to send him. He can basically say, nah, I'm good. I'm going to stay here. I don't want to go to Orlando. I don't want to go to Sacramento. I'm good. I just want to stay here in Washington. Uh, Or he can use that no trade clause as a, all right, get me to destination team X Otherwise, I'm going to exercise my no trade clause. And here's the thing I think that gets caught with no trade clauses is people think it's one time he can block a trade. He can continue to say no until he's actually traded. Once he's traded, the no trade clause goes away, and that other team, you know, year or two in whatever they could could flip him. But it's it's just really hard to see how they build a super. Functional, good team when Bradley Beal is owed nearly $208 million over the next four seasons and has complete control over, you know, what happens with him and, you know, where he is and everything else. So it's, it's, it's just really, really tough. They've got, they're sitting on some that that's you know the big biggest piece to work around, but Daniel Gafford, who was spent a lot of time out of the rotation, finally got back into the rotation late in the year um he jumps up from one point nine million to twelve point four million next year, and then all their first round picks they none of them are carrying huge salaries, but the problem is they've missed on almost all of them, and that's another challenge is that all becomes kind of questionable salary, just sitting in the middle of your cap sheet where it's a little like. All right, you know these guys who are making four, five, six million dollars; those add up very, very quickly, and that eats into a lot of that flexibility you could add otherwise. So it's just, it's kind of bleak for for the Wizards.
0: Yeah, which is why the there is a new GM going to be coming into yep. that that team because, you know, when you, you're drafting where you are and your draft picks are not hitting, that hurts your overall roster construction. So. Um, hopefully the new GM can come in and go a, a different direction with their draft. Because I know f- it seems like the last two or three years, the Wizards would go off the bo- way off the board with their picks and we'd be scratching yeah. our head. What, what are they doing? Um, so maybe, maybe the new GM will have new insight. Uh, what does this mean for the coaching staff? Cause I know new GMs coming in usually like to have their own coaching staff. So, um, have you heard anything if the, the current coaching staff is going to still be in place or or not?
1: Yeah, everything they're saying is Wes Unsell Jr. and crew are going to get at least another year. And that was part of the uh, conditions of letting uh, Tommy Shepard go is uh, Ted Leotis, the the owner of the team, said, we're we're sticking with with our you know coach. we we're not gonna move on. We feel like he did good work. It's just get him the right pieces and we'll we'll go forward with that. So my guess is that's probably like a one-year thing of all right, get a new GM in there, see what it looks like, how do they mesh? And then after that, everybody will reevaluate. But it sounds like they're gonna stick with unsell Jr., but they gotta nail this GM higher. And we're you know hearing a lot of a lot of different names, so which tells me there's no real clarity in the direction they're going. You know, because we're a couple of the guys were here hearing like they're gonna make a run at Masayujiri. Well, Masayujiri has, you know, continually said no to everybody else, and it said no to much better situations than, mm-hmm. than Washington. So I'm, I'm just not sure that's gonna be the direction that goes down. So I'm really curious to see, you know, who who they hire next, how they work it uh, forward from there and you know how they build it all.
0: Mitch Porzingis and Kuzma Porzingis 36 million player option opt in opt out.
1: So I think he's going to opt out. And I think what's going to happen is he opts out and signs a long-term deal uh, with, with the wizards, probably something in the, you know, Average annual value range of thirty to thirty-five million, and I know some people are probably they're they're probably like oh gosh really again with with this guy with with you know Porzingis, but the challenge is played really well last year. He played you know probably had had the best year of his career when we look at kind of everything in in an aggregate uh, with him. He he was at. Um, but let me make sure I get this right. Yeah. 23 points per game. That was a career high shot 49.8% from the field overall. Again, a career high 38% on five and a half threes. Um, per game, got to the line six and a half times per game at eighty-five uh, percent. Rebounds were were right where they always are. As blocks were uh, pre- pretty solid as well. Passings improving um, and has looked better um, with his time with Washington than it has at any any other stops. Still got in sixty-five games, which is you know now seems like the new magic barrier that let's try to get everybody to that. So you know stayed relatively healthy. So I I, I think he's you know somebody who that that the Wizards are going to say, all right, this is the guy for us. He'll be 28 at the start of next year, so should be fine all the way through. Can play both the four and the five. Um, So that gives you a little bit of roster construction flexibility. So I think we're going to see him stick around in Washington and get paid uh, handsomely to do so.
0: Kyle Kuzma, $13 million player option. I, I'm assuming that is almost a definite opt-out. Yes. Yeah. he... Is he a near max or do the Wizards need to make him a max offer in order to potentially keep him on this roster?
1: Yeah. would he go anywhere near the max, I, I think that's just going way too far uh, for, for Kyle Kuzma. I think you, know, you, you do that. Now you've put yourself in a spot of, Oh boy. You know, now we got Porzingis probably going to be near max Beal, you know, well over max. And then Kuzma near Max. like that. Now you've built a three man team around three guys who are, they're all, good but you know probably ideally are somewhere between the second and third best players on a you know title contender so i think in this case with uh kyle kuzma what we look at is he's probably in play to leave as an unrestricted free agent because he's a guy too as you look at all the cap space teams that are out there i think because he's again another guy he'll be uh turning 28 right at the start of um uh, i guess over the summertime um so what you really can start to look at with kyle kuzma is you want to be in a spot where it is all right you know what we're going into a um uh, we're going into next season with if i'm a cap space team i got this guy for his um peak years of his career coming he's a really good scorer he can play on and off the ball and if i'm indiana i could look at it and say if I give him 25 million of our cap space, he could maybe lift us into really being a, um, you know, a tr- true contender here. Like I feel pretty good about that. You you could look at uh you know, Detroit if they're really trying to lift themselves up, they could say, yeah, we need him as a scorer. Oklahoma City, they don't have a ton of front court players. They could throw a bunch of cap space at him. So I think that that's the risk you run a little bit. Uh, if you're the Wizards of, you know, you might be caught up in a. You know, they best, you know, offer wins here, or it may just be Kuzma says, you know what, I'm willing to go somewhere else where I'm not gonna be third behind Porzingis and Beal, and I'm just moving on. And just to take it off the table, because people say, well, why not an extension? Even if the new extension rules were to be pushed in now, they're they're not good enough for Kyle Kuzma to sign an extension because he's coming off 13 million. He's probably gonna make somewhere in the 20 to 25 million range, and that's you know, that that's just where where it's gonna be.
0: Speaking of extensions, Avdia has a rookie extension. Monty Morris could potentially be extended. In, in theory, Porzingis could get an extension before June 30th if he opts out. Uh, any of those potential extensions happening?
1: Yeah, I, I tend to think not with Porzingis because I think he's going to want to add you know the full length of what he can do, um. You know potentially maybe even push all the way up to a max deal, um. So I don't think you see him do anything. Monte Morris, I, I don't think the Wizards will do that. I, I think especially with the new GM coming in, he didn't acquire Morris. Morris is a good player, but it's still somewhat in question. Is he really a starter? Is he best as a very high end backup? So that becomes a little bit of the challenge point there. And then Avdia that's probably going to be a matter of how does the new front office feel about him? Cause they didn't draft him. So they're not going to feel any pressure to resign him and retain him. Um, you know, on a new deal. So they may look at it and say, you know what? This is a guy decent, defender uh he can do a lot of different stuff well but he can't shoot at all you know really has been just a terrible shooter throughout the course of his career and that makes it really hard to play him in some lineups so that makes it tough on those ones so they may look at and say you know what we're just going to move on where we're going to let him go rather than sink a whole bunch of money in here when we already have you know likely big money on the books beyond just beal if we re-sign porzingis and pending what happens with kyle kuzma
0: all right. So with that being said, w- what areas of focus do the Wizards need to, you know, hone in on whether it's in the draft when, you know, they're potentially number eight if the lottery goes chalk or in free agency, which they don't really have much flexibility unless Kuzma left and Porzingis left and anything yeah. else
1: yeah and that's the challenge right to get to any kind of flexibility you're gonna have to bleed some talent out of the organization so i think it's just depth finding you know quality depth you you can't go into another year rolling out Taj Gibson for you know 20 minutes a night for half a season like that just can't be you know where you're at if you're trying to be a, a true playoff team you just have to be a little bit better than that so I think your challenge becomes you know how do we do that with limited ability to spend again this is another team they don't have a ton of room on, under the luxury tax line if they re especially if they re sign Porzingis and Kuzma. If they re sign both of them. They're probably going to be a tax team. Um, if they only re sign, just say Porzingis. I think he's the more likely one to re sign. you're you're going to be kind of working and dancing. I think much like with Portland, these two teams are just so similar because they both have the star guard who's a little older, that's very highly paid, um, that, you know, questionable if you can trade them or not. Um, So I think what happens with those guys is you run into a situation of, you know, where do we you know, want to go with with this and and all that? So that kind of makes projecting guys that they could add tough. But you need more front court depth. You need more back court depth. Wings you are probably kind of okay because Corey Kispert really did come come along pretty quickly. But a lot of this hinges on our what do we do with resigning our own guys and what is the direction the new front office takes.
0: Anything else we need to know about the Washington Wizards?
1: I don't think so. Just you know. Figure it out. You know, I hope the new front office has, you know, kind of the green light to hey, do, do whatever it is you think you need to do to get us into a you know better place than the one we're in today.
0: Indiana Pacers, I find this team super interesting. Their roster, to me, is really solid. And you sort of buried the lead where the, I think they're, with the experience that they've gained over the last year or two, there maybe one massive starter and some other depth away from being really good.
1: Yeah, completely agree with that. I, you know, it's Tyrese Halliburton is there. He's a star uh, player. You're you're good. You've got your star guy. You've got a bunch of good players around him. Miles Turner did that renegotiation and extension. Um, which keeps him on the roster into into next season, which I had a very very fair uh, number at twenty point nine million dollars, then nineteen point nine million after, and that was something that we uh, when we wrote about that on the site we kind of harped on of hey if you can get this done the right way you can be in a really really good place uh, with with him with with the way you build this uh, you know the, this team out a ton of flexibility cap wise now good. Good players, interesting players, they need more talent, though. And But the nice thing is they're coming into the summer with probably about $27 million or so to spend, and that could potentially go up a little bit because I'm not looking at their roster and seeing like the – you know, of their 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 own free agents, they must you know re-sign this guy. I tend to think they're probably content to say see you later, or later to all of them. They'll have their draft pick that they'll they'll work into and work through. But for the most part, I think they're in a really really good place in Indiana. I think it's going to be a really fun upcoming season.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. As far as the free agents that they can just let go and and go by the wayside, um, extensions. Halliburton is a rookie extension of uh, rookie extension eligible. I feel like that's a no-brainer. But my question is, how much is he a max, or um, is he not a max? But now with the new rules, they can still go. They can go five years now instead of the four. What are your thoughts on the Halliburton extension?
1: Barring him saying, "I don't need the max." let's keep some flexibility, which would be extremely rare. You got to give him the max because you can't mess around with this and let this linger and turn it into, you know, any kind of bad feelings or anything like that. Just give him the full max go. Um, you know, he's an all-star level guy. He, he is now, he's the face of your franchise. He he is, you know, everything for you. So you got to give him that deal and push that forward uh, that way. So I don't even hesitate. That's probably one of those ones that, uh, you know, day one, as soon as they're you know technically, I think it's midnight, um, when those guys are allowed to start talking, we're probably getting the reports, you know, instantaneously of Tyrese Halliburton. It'll probably even my guess is maybe even a designated uh, uh player max where a uh, Rose Rule type deal where he could even earn the the thirty percent of the cap. I, I think you know, he's the guy the Pacers have been waiting for to to max out because he's just a very very special player.
0: Nee smith is also rookie extension eligible do you think they'll lock him up or just let that ride until restricted free agency in 24 25 season
1: i tend to think they're just gonna let that one go I, it doesn't make a ton of sense to give him uh you know, an extension he hasn't shown enough um he'd have to, it'd have to be so team friendly for him that it is probably not good on his side to do that in case he does break out uh this coming season so i think this is one where hey we've got you for 5.6 million next year let's let it play out and then we'll readdress in restricted free agency in the summer of 2024
0: other veterans that could extend is healed mcconnell and uh daniel tice any of those are options for the pacers to extend or should they just again ride through the season and see where they go from there
1: yeah definitely not for mcconnell even though they love him and he's a big part of what they do there in indiana he's he's fine on the contract he's on you're not going to extend him uh daniel tice He's more likely to be traded as a piece of salary matching. I, I had
0: that in my notes too, that yeah. <laughs> he's, he just seems to be the guy that is going to get yep. moved out of this roster. Well,
1: I mean, we, we, we know if nothing else, the Celtics will be there ready to welcome him back as soon as they're allowed to, if they can, because it's seemingly what they do now is they trade them and then go get them back when, when they're able. Um, Heald's the, the kind of interesting one, right? Because he is, you know, He's now he is, uh, what is he? He's uh, gonna be 30. He's 30 now, he'll be 31 um, right around the start of the season, you know, a little bit into the season, just ahead of Christmas. But he played pretty well, he can still really shoot, he's proven to be a pretty good fit with Halliburton in the backcourt. Um, at, that one might be one where if they can work out a deal that is you know, pretty team friendly, and maybe either it has. Like it's a descending contract from year to year, or it's a uh, a thing where they give um, some non-guaranteed money at the end of it. So the Pacers are protected if all of a sudden he just falls off the planet, you know, and as he approaches his mid-30s. I could maybe see an extension getting done there, but that's also one where that can carry for a long time. Uh, for them so they don't necessarily need to rush into any kind of extension on that one so they may say hey let's build out the rest of the roster see what it kind of looks like and then then we can always have those conversations in the next season
0: so what uh, their roster has what th- 12 players already guaranteed for this upcoming season so what areas of need outside of what they already have do they need to focus on whether it be with their draft pick wherever that ends up landing and Free agency, I mean, you already talked about Kyle Kuzma, but are there other areas that they should focus on?
1: Yeah, forwards that can put the ball in the basket. Like They they don't have any forward-sized guys on this roster. It's all guards and bigs. And, you know, it, that sounds great until all of a sudden it's, geez, you know, we we are playing Miles Turner with a whole bunch of dudes who are 6'6 six six and under um and that that caused them a lot of issues last year in games. So they are a team that I think you know what's really fun with 27 million or so to spend this summer. That's right in range. If they wanted to go get Kyle Kuzma, I think you know we talked about him because we talked about the Blazers earlier. Jeremy Grant's a guy that could be interesting if they really wanted to make a run. If Harrison Barnes ever wanted to leave the Kings, they could make a run at him. Uh, Those are kind of your your you know more kind of three four type guys. If you wanted to go you know the two three route, I don't know that I would necessarily want to go that route. But if you wanted to, you know, you could maybe get involved on like Kelly Oubre Jr. You know, you could throw an offer sheet at a guy like cam johnson could could make some sense um if you want to go a little bit bigger uh pure four options you could go pj washington or grant williams as restricted free agents um you know there's a lot of guys here that they can be a mix, in the mix for that i think could be guys that could come in and really play a major major difference uh for this team because they just they just need some guys with a, a little bit more size and guys who can score out of the ball or at least hit shots and guys that um can be partners on uh, Halliburton when he's setting guys up and those kind of things. So I think, think they, the, the Pacers are in a really fun spot to kind of, you know, do some different stuff. And I think they might be one of those teams where it feels like every year there's one team where it's like, whoa, they came out of nowhere doing stuff. I think the Pacers may be looking at it and saying, you know, we've kind of got a lot of our core guys here. We liked a lot of them. As long as we don't go insane with the next set of contracts for free agents, we can really do some stuff to really reset ourselves. And they're a good example of, as they they made the room exception, more valuable tool. You may see them come away with two, maybe even three guys to fill out and round out their rotation. So I, th- I think you know, there's a lot of guys that they should be uh, taking a look at in Indiana.
0: Yeah, that could be a real fun team. Um, They have the potential number 7, the 26th, and the 29th all in the first round. Is this a a team that could potentially package those up and move up, or um, should they just be content with the three first-round draft picks and hope that their uh, development team can help maturate those players to be what's coming up behind what they already have?
1: yeah I think maybe let's see what the lottery does for them if they you know, obviously if they move up, they're in great shape just on their own um, but I tend to think what you're probably gonna see is depending that they don't move up, they probably keep the pick, draft somebody themselves that they obviously have good faith in their ability to develop their own talent. Then I think what we look at is um with them turns into. All right, so this is where we're at uh, with yo know, this guy. Then probably the other two picks, maybe one of them gets traded. That might be one more. All right, you know more. It, this tends to happen more in the NFL, but an NFL style trade where well, we're gonna trade you our first uh, this year for a future first from you plus something else. Um, And then that way, that's just kind of kicked the can down the road. And then I would expect at the very least, just because we already talked about a roster spots are kind of starting to become a little tight in Indiana, especially if you want to play in free agency. I think what you're looking at there is probably one of those picks goes to a draft and stash guy, probably they, they pick whichever European player overseas guy they like the most. And then just, you know, draft that guy, but then say, Hey, we're drafting you with the idea. You're going to stay, stay overseas for at least another year or so.
0: Anything else we need to know about the Indiana Pacers?
1: Just sleeping giant in free agency. I think. I think them in Oklahoma City, who we'll get to in a future episode. Those are two teams where they're they, they can do some stuff, and I, I think people are sleeping on them both a little bit, which is you know not unexpected, right? Two small market, middle of the country teams. I think uh, you know that they, they're, they're in place to to do some stuff, and I think they're going to have a really fun off seasons.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to see what this team does. They're not a team that likes to rip it off and start from bare bones. So I'm I'm super excited to see what they do in the draft, what they do with uh, free agency, and see what direction that they end up going. Uh, so what's next as far as our team preview schedule?
1: Yeah, so the – we, we we jumped it here. Indiana will be up on the site probably by the time most people listen uh, to this. Then we're getting into my adopted hometown team, the Orlando Magic, who had a really fun step forward season. And then we're getting into the last of the non-playing uh, teams, Utah and Dallas. And then then it will be the playing teams and them working, working uh, into his work. You know, hit in the middle of the first round here. Uh, teams are already being eliminated. Brooklyn became the first team eliminated from the playoffs. So, so we're 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 going to keep moving. But Orlando, Utah, Dallas, uh, those are next up as we finish out the non-play in uh, postseason teams, and then then just keep keep moving on forward.
0: Awesome stuff, Keith. You've been working hard. I've been working hard. Let's keep it up. Uh, we're really making a, a difference as far as. Uh, where we have been with our NBA content, uh, we're pushing it forward, which I love to see. Uh, you're you're pushing me as far as uh, the content and rendering and where we can make things better. So I'm I'm looking forward to continuing to do that and see where we can make things go. Um, if you are listening, please feel free to check out the team pages. The manage tool is up and running, so you can go in and play with the tool. Sign free agents. Uh, wave players, make trades. Uh, Just keep in mind that those uh, managed tools are based off of the current CBA. We have not updated anything in there for the upcoming CBA because some of the the finer details are still to be known. So we haven't made any updates to that yet as well. Uh, Anything else, Keith?
1: uh just you know a lot of great stuff on the site. cool updates really fun stuff coming to uh scott is a programming wizard with building everything out i like to say no, my, I told a friend of mine the other day, I said, I come up with these crazy ideas with the, I don't know if this is possible. And usually the answer is, yeah, we can do that. And I that's, you know, that, that's always fun for me. So I love that. So I'm, I'm super excited for all that stuff and, you know, going to be a really fun off season to come here. And it's, it's uh, really just kind of starting to get cranking as the draft process starts and all that. So like, a lot more stuff to stay, stay tuned on.
0: Yeah. the ideas coming i love them i love building new unique things out so (laughs) um on, on to next week with orlando and utah and dallas and for keith smith i am scott allen thanks for listening to the nba next podcast